This is How I Fuck, a podcast about how we have sex, sponsored by FemBot Magazine. I'm your host, Natalie Rivera. Black Lives Matter. It's a hashtag that's grown in popularity in recent months in response to the systemic killing of unarmed Black people, including George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. It seems only just recently non-Black people have been fired up more than ever and taking the time to reflect on any internal racism they might have. But when it comes to love and sex, how does race come into play? Are we being prejudiced when swiping left? Are we subscribing to stereotypes when watching porn from the ebony category? For Ikel, a black woman who identifies as pansexual, her skin color is definitely a talking point for some of the men who approach her online. I would receive inbox messages where this this are inappropriate things. Like people see me being a black woman and they want to ask me these inappropriate questions or say things like, oh, I've never been with a black woman before. I met Ikel on Instagram. I found her profile after coming across a video she posted of herself talking about her dating experiences. The video caption includes hashtags like hashtag dating while black and hashtag black women matter. Her Instagram is full of videos like this. Ikel speaking to her followers in her bedroom, Hello Kitty plush in the background, giving dating tips and talking about the music she makes. Ikel isn't the only black woman sharing videos about her dating life online. That being said, this episode is about Ikel's story and should not be taken as a representation of every black woman's experience. Like many, Ikel seems to find relief on Instagram, where she can freely talk about her thoughts on love, dating, and sex, topics that weren't really discussed in her family growing up. What was your uh, like introduction to, to sex? So for me, I was always curious because I have an older sister. So I'd hear her and her friends talking about certain things or you'd see, you know, a sexy scene on TV and your parents just close your eyes or they change the channel. So, you know, something's happening. But, you know, my mom didn't want to uh, talk about it. So I just started to look for the answers. Like when I was young, I would really try to explore my body and figure out, like, what is this? What is that? In particular, I would look at vagina and just be like well what is this what is in here and my mom would kind of catch me looking at it in the mirror and she'd be like stop doing that don't do that her mom's disapproval didn't keep a cow from exploring her sexuality on the internet though it would just go online i would see porn i would be in chat rooms and people would explain things to me so i i just went out and i sought the knowledge out because i wanted to know so there was one i was on and it was just it was basically everyone just sh- sharing like smutty anime photos <laughs> And I obviously realized, ooh, there, there are feelings. I have feelings toward these photos. I have feelings towards what people are saying. And that's how I guess I started to explore, like, masturbation. Outside of the chat rooms, Ikel seemed to have a relatively normal life as a young girl. She grew up in a pretty diverse neighborhood in Toronto, Canada. While Canada is known for being a melting pot, Canada, like the U.S., still grapples with their own issues of systemic racism and prejudices. This was something Ikel slowly started becoming more aware of growing up. When she was around 10, she was called out by a teacher for wearing her hair natural. The teacher asked Ikel in front of everyone in the class to comb her hair. I was like, what do you mean comb my hair? It is combed. And she didn't, she kind of just... I guess didn't expect me to take it there, so she kind of just gave me a look and changed the subject. 
But it was after an incident with her sister in high school that Ikel first realized her blackness might be an issue for some people if she tried to interracially date. I remember being in the library one time and she was kind of upset. I asked her um, what was wrong. So the librarian had a son who went there. She was a white woman and her son, white, went to our school. So I think my sister and a lot of girls thought this boy was really attractive. So then I think they were talking to the librarian or something and the son came up and then she was talking about this uh, black girl that the son was dating at the time and she said something to the effect of, oh yeah, he's dating this girl and then he was dating this girl a couple weeks ago. I think it's just a phase. So that was just kind of like, oh, so you don't think your son could just be with a black woman. I didn't really know what to think or how to feel. It was just, it was a kind of, I guess, a crushing moment as I started to go into high school I would think will their parents be okay with it is this something I should be pursuing should I tell them I'm not sure and um I guess I'm very much like that again today still well I guess it's different now because obviously being an adult people who like you will come up and approach you and let, let it be known but you still have to have the conversation of like okay well what are your views about people of color um are your parents or family okay with this like what how is this going to work how are you going to make me feel safe and protected as your partner full disclosure ikel has dated outside her race before she is open to dating whoever she is attracted to regardless of race or gender identity but it hasn't been easy for her especially since ikel uses dating apps to meet both men and women you see when you're creating a dating profile you're asked to write up a bio Bios can include info about yourself and what you're looking for in that particular app. Are you looking to just hook up? Maybe you're looking for a long-term relationship. Some people also like to include what they're not looking for. For some people, that might mean no fuckboys. But for others, that might mean no people of a specific race or ethnicity. Some people would literally say on their pages, Oh, no black women. I Sorry, but I just find you all to be too intimidating. And I was just like, oh, well that's like what what (laughs) like first of all why does this person think it's okay to say that you know is no one monitoring the site to see that this is being said and that's just rude unfortunately racism is pretty common within dating apps in fact dating app giant grinder only just recently decided to pull their ethnicity filter after receiving backlash from users who weren't satisfied by the company's response to the recent black lives matter protests Yet, dating apps still haven't found a way to filter out racist DMs people of color seem to receive on the regular. I'll say things like, oh, like, I really like you, but my dick is small. Is that okay? You seem like you're a real size queen, and, like, I don't want to disappoint you. And they start talking about, like, them, I guess, seeing porn or TV shows about black men having, like, a bigger penis, and they get all worried. Or people would say, oh, you're pretty for a black girl. You're cute for a darkie. And I'm just like, what is going on? While most of these messages and racist bios came from white men, Ikel tells me that she's seen bios from black male users that seem to exempt black women as well. There, there were times online as well where I'd be checking out profiles, and this is like on Tinder, on POF as well, and black men are just simply saying, I don't want to speak to black women, or I'm here to meet a white woman. They're showing like the black emoji guy with a white emoji girl, and you get the picture. A study published in 2014 by OkCupid co-founder Christian Rutter 
found that black women were ranked less attractive than women of other races and ethnicities on the site. Asian men were also ranked least desirable, but by female users. The study included data collected from 25 million users between 2009 and 2014. And while it's now been about six years since the study came out, black women like Ikel are still coming across profiles and receiving DMs that belittle them because of the color of their skin. I would report those profiles when they would message me, but it was really bad. I was screenshotting them at a point because I was like, okay, I don't know what I want to do with these, but like this, this stuff happens. And a lot of times when you are a black woman and you want to talk about um, situations of racism or discrimination, people are just so inclined to not believe you. They're like, oh, civil rights is so long ago. Everything's fine. But it's, as you can see today, clearly it's not fine. So I was just kind of saving the messages. I don't have them anymore, I guess, because now I just feel more comfortable reporting or talking back or knowing which ones to ignore. But for a long time, I was just really, it was getting to me. I was really bugged by it, of course. But it's not just online dating. While the behavior Ikel's encountered on these apps is inexcusable, it does make sense that sexual racism would thrive on dating apps where a person can protect their anonymity and therefore speak their mind without consequences. From what Ikel's told me, there are, of course, people in real life who have no trouble speaking freely. So I was seeing this guy, uh, a brown guy that I had met just online. He'd been in this situation for a couple of years while also seeing other people, so we'd sometimes talk about them. The man, who was Indian, was telling Akel about a time he and a girl he was seeing were at a grocery store when a rap song started playing. The man, knowing the song pretty well, sang along to the lyrics. The N-word was there, so he sang the lyric. And she kind of looked at him like, whoa, you can't do that. Like, what are you doing? And he was convinced it was fine. He's like, oh, it's fine. It's GGA. It's like, it's not a hard, a hard like, ER. It's fine. And she was like, what? So he's telling me this story. And now I'm like, what? And I'm looking at him like, no, it's not okay. Like, that's not good. It was hurtful that he felt so comfortable to just say that to me. And I was supposed to agree, especially because, again, we'd been seeing each other for a couple of years. I thought he had a better idea of me as a person. So he, he thought it was okay, but I had to tell him it wasn't. And that definitely affected us because I felt very uncomfortable, like, seeing him for a bit. And I... I, was, I found myself avoiding him. While I don't know the man in Nikel's story, I couldn't help but be slightly surprised that he asked Nikel that. I was also surprised that he, a person of color, would use the N-word in the first place, let alone defend his use of it. But Nikel explains to me that while she has had great experiences dating black people and people of color, she doesn't expect every black person or person of color to be respectful and not show signs of internalized racism. Other POCs can discriminate as well, say terrible things, have stereotypes against you too. So yeah, I would get messages from brown men as well saying bad things, from Asian men too. It is a bit more frustrating when it comes from other POCs because you think they would kind of be sensitive to the struggle, but I guess not. I'd always thought that dating someone black would mean that they would relate more but I was wrong. So I, I guess I've realized that not every Black person gets the same education about race. I used to think that in dating someone who is also Black, that they would have an understanding of what I go through and they would go through the same thing. But I've come to realize that not every Black person has the same 
education at home about race and injustice. Sometimes they grow up in a household that has a colonial mindset, even though they are black. So they're taught that they need to kind of pass and act white to fit in. And then they're also taught that they can kind of credentialize themselves out of racism and keep achieving, keep achieving, and then people will respect you. But that's simply not true. And then it just makes it very hard when you have your own issues. And then this person who's also part of your racial group has different issues or just can't see your issues or doesn't want to talk about your issues. It makes things complicated. Like there's been times where I've dated black men who are darker complexion than me and they'll make comments about my light skin or my hair in a way that is supposed to be complimentary. Like I'm supposed to feel good about these things, but I don't because of colorism. Like I remember just being with somebody I dated last year and we're kind of cuddled up on his couch and he was just kind of caressing me and he was like, I like how light your skin is. And I was like, oh no, I can't believe he just said that. That implies that you see some sort of power separation within blackness and it just left a really bad taste in my mouth. When I ask Ikel if she's ever had similar experiences like this with women, she tells me that thankfully she hasn't. But this is before she tells me that she actually hasn't had much luck with women online. For a while, Ikel identified as bisexual. It just seemed like the best word to describe her at that time. It wasn't until she learned about the term pansexuality that Ikel started identifying as pansexual. But for some time, Ikel was on dating apps for women searching for women as a self-identifying bisexual, which was a bit of a turnoff for some people. You would talk to girls who identify as lesbian and they're not interested because they feel like you just can flick your bisexual bisexuality on and off. But basically, you're not serious and you're not interested in building an actual relationship and life with them, which is very hurtful. What Akel is explaining to me seems reminiscent of a term researchers came up with in 2018 called the androcentric desire hypothesis, which is a theory that gay men and women perceive bisexual people as being more sexually attracted to men than they are to women. This theory was supported by a study where researchers asked gay men and lesbians how they thought their community viewed bisexual men and bisexual women. What they discovered was that both gay men and lesbians believed that their community viewed bisexual women as more attracted to men than to women. The same was said about bi men. Researchers believe this might be because of the stereotypes that bi women are indecisive or incapable of monogamy, and that bi men are gay men in denial. Then there are the comments about Ikel's pansexuality from straight men. A lot of the times when it's a, it's a straight man and I tell them about my queerness, it's annoying because they'll just immediately bring it back to them and say like, oh, does that mean we're going to have a threesome? Or when's the threesome? Or, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna go find a girl for us. And it's like, okay, no. Like, I didn't tell you that so that you can state your interest in a threesome. I told you that because it's part of my identity and it's important for me. But while Ikel's dating life may seem like it's riddled with inappropriate comments and approaches, she's still living her best sex life. Whether that's sleeping with people she's in situationships with or pleasuring herself, which doesn't need to involve that many toys in the bedroom. Oh, natural. <laughs> but with certain partners, sometimes toys are a part of our routine and I'm fine to use those. But personally, I don't, I don't have a lot. I have some from when I was younger that I don't really use anymore. 
Lately, though, masturbation hasn't been on Ikel's mind. While it can be a form of self-care, Ikel is understandably having trouble being in the mood for anything sexual because of the recent Black Lives Matter protests and the very publicized deaths of numerous Black people. Like some days you wake up almost wanting to cry or you do cry and you're just wondering, okay, is this going to be a normal day where there's no more killings or am I going to hear about something else? So for me, sexually, it makes me more so want this kind of cuddling and holding and reassurance as, rather than just to have like actual sex just because it's like I'm not in the mood I'm, I'm sad and if you're with someone who doesn't want to address it and doesn't want to talk about it with you and you don't have an outlet then it just kind of manifests itself in different ways the stress that you're feeling so I don't know right now I'm just I am I have a situation ship, so that's good. I can talk to this person, so that's fine. I'm happy to share my thoughts with them and they share their thoughts back, so I feel good in that. But it's a situation ship, you know? I'm not seeing this person every day. Um, I've just in general have been finding it hard to date and meet someone new with coronavirus and with all of the issues of Black Lives Matter finally coming to the forefront. So I guess right now I'm just in a space of observation where I'm just seeing like, okay, what this what's going to happen next and this would definitely affect who I would date like do you believe in the issues do you believe in the cause do you see it and what are you doing about it finding someone who can empathize and comfort Kel the way she wants to be comforted is important for her well-being it's also important that Kel has a healthy sex life which can help her better manage the feelings she has when she has experiences of being othered because she is black or when she sees her community being marginalized. Because sex can be a de-stressor, there are many black women online that argue that a black woman finding sexual pleasure can be hugely beneficial for them. In 2019, Glamour published an article by writer A. Rashawn Meadows Fernandez titled The Importance of Good Sex as a Black Woman. Meadows Fernandez speaks with experts, including the founder of Afrosexology, the online community, about how black women reclaiming their bodies and their sexuality is like an act of resistance. The idea is that if black women don't have agency over their sexuality, then how can we expect them to have political and economic agency? Like if you are able to communicate to your partner about something you don't like and have confidence in that, well, then maybe you can go to this boardroom and then say like, hey, this idea that we're presenting isn't exactly helpful to the plight of the Black community right now, or this is stereotypical. We should also be shifting our focus away from Black suffering and focusing more on Black pleasure. Media representation can make this difficult, though, especially when it comes to film genres like the rom-com. Rom-coms have historically been white and heteronormative, and when we do have a rom-com with a mostly black cast, it's usually marketed as its own separate category and rarely gets mentioned in the many best rom-com lists. And on a less PG note, there are the many porn categories, themes, and plots where black men and women are arguably fetishized. The way the titles are made are just offensive. Like, it'll be like, big black bitch gets fucked and you're like whoa like that's much that's a little too much there like we didn't have to take it to that far <laughs> like whoa or just i am yeah i see that with other like racial groups as well i think just in general there is a problem with the way these movies or these films are like labeled but yeah with the 
ones where there are black people involved, it's very much an emphasis like, oh, big black cock does this or black women dominates this. Like, I don't know. Again, it's showing these stereotypes of, I guess, this strength or this hypersexuality. And it's not helpful to the overall (laughs) cause here. Which is why investing in porn that doesn't use the kind of language Ikel mentioned is important, and why watching shows like Insecure, where black love and sex is celebrated, is also a great option. According to Ikel, being more selective about the content you consume can help eliminate any preconceived notions you might have about black people and sex. Definitely educate yourself. Go online, read a book, whatever it is you prefer, but really consider the source like ideally you should be going to a black website run by black people who are really sharing the experiences of a variety of other black people so again not seeing us as this as this monolith um learning about the issues going on right now so if you don't understand the black lives matter movement and what it's for again do research don't rely on a black person in your life to explain it all because it's exhausting and it's tiring and for some people re-traumatizing and then when you are meeting a black person really just try to hear their stories and experiences like don't assume at all just ask hear what we have to say and treat us as if you would treat anybody else like get to know us and that was our episode you can follow Ikel on Instagram at official Ikel, that's Ikel, E-K-E-L-L-E. This podcast was produced by me, Natalie Rivera. I'm also the host and creator. Ben Gillis is our audio engineer. Cheyenne Lopez did copy and fact check. Chelsea Coca is our vocal coach. Music is by Miguel Gutierrez. You can find more of his music online under his artist name, Mag. Our marketing team includes Gabriela Sanchez and Alyssa Medina. Muna Kulabali is our sponsorship manager. Special thanks to the talented Britt Middleton, who is our consulting writer on this episode. You can find her work at BrittMiddleton.com. Also, check out our sponsor, Fembot Magazine. And if you're curious about the articles and studies we cited on this episode, check out our website, HowIFuckPodcast.com. That is How I Fuck without the U, so fckpodcast.com. And please, if you like this podcast, hit subscribe. Give it a rating, leave a review, anything is much appreciated. Thank you again and stay tuned for our next episode.